Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 397. The end of 2021 is almost here, which means now is the time to look back at the movies and moments that shaped the past year in cinema. Joining me now to talk about the horror movie genre in 2021, it's Lance Belchek, film critic, video editor, and content creator for horror movie website Arrow in the Head, which is part of the Joe Blow Network. Lance, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Yeah, I appreciate you having my friend. I think this is really cool of you. Um, I'm glad we actually got to get together and do this. So do I. I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Arrow in the Head, the stuff to do. I know John, John Fallon, who, uh, who you know, pretty much founded Arrow in the Head and uh, always, you know, into the content. I love watching your videos because you talk about horror movies that, you know, are, are near and dear to my heart, movies like, you know, Warlock Part 2 and different Hellraiser sequels, et cetera. Um, good Van Damme, B trash movies as well, like Cyborg, et cetera. So that was like, this is like one of my people. You know? So I had yeah. to have you on the show and, and talk about, you know, horror movies. And it's been an interesting 2021 because, you know, it was kind of like almost like the comeback year really for, for movies in a lot of ways because, 2020, of course, has just shut everything down worldwide, both over with you in the States and myself in Australia. Horror movies is one that genre, though. It's like, you know, uh, you know, and not to be, you know, demeaning at all to the genre at all, the filmmakers of it, but it's kind of like the cockroach of of of, of film genres. So you could drop a nuclear bomb in it and it will still survive and thrive because it's just one of those genres that just really sticks it out. And, and I think in many ways, 2021, the, the horror movie genre is what kind of dominated more than anything else you know you could say superhero movies but it didn't really have the same kind of um uh same kind of panache that it had in previous years um no, and, no. and i sent you like kind of like the top five box office you know draws of worldwide grossing for horror movies so let's just go through that real quick we have a quiet place and number one that 297 million uh second was the conjuring the devil made me do it at 201 million and then you have halloween kills at 131 million old at 90 million and then Candyman at 77 million and it's you know considering that a lot of people you know a lot of these movies were out on you know digital if not on the same day then maybe a, a month after um in that a lot of people were hesitant to go back into cinemas it's quite impressive numbers for horror movies don't you think I mean I I completely agree I actually wanted to comment on what you said earlier about you know how horror always survives because I think 
this was the year besides Spider-Man um, and, and maybe a, a one or two others. Like it's horror saved the theaters. It, like you point out right here, we people went back for horror uh, over anything else. And I, I honestly think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, as much as there's that perceived trashiness of it, you know, like it's never, it's not usually not nominated for awards. Uh, it's never mm. been giving like the accolades, but like it makes money and it's consistent always, you know, I, I, the Western has gone away. The musical is dead. But horror, I don't care who you are, every decade it, it grows and changes. I think it's the most consistent genre. And looking at this list, um, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty impressive. I'd say, what, there's three sequels, one original, and then one quasi-remake. Uh, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Um, I got to be honest, I thought it was a weird year, because I, I would probably say, personally, the best horror movies I saw, I'm actually putting a list together for work, uh, we're mostly uh, smaller affairs, but I guess at the same time, that's usually how it always is. Um, but even this list, it's, it's pretty surprising. The Conjuring, I mean, is on there. I didn't think that would do anything for being uh, such a later sequel. Uh, Old is pretty impressive to me that that actually is number four. Mm. Um, you know, Candyman, I mean, did better than I thought it would do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people went, man. People went. I, I got to be honest. I only went to theaters twice this year. and They were both for movies on this list. And that should say something, you know? Well, I've been to the theatres, you know, the cinemas a, a bunch of times, but mostly in the last couple of months, because here in, in Australia, we have kind of like a real, like in New South Wales especially, we had like a big push for vaccinations, et cetera, to open stuff up. So, but the majority of the films that I saw here, well, I'd say three of the five I saw in cinemas, which was Quiet Place, Conjuring, Old. Um, but pretty much every horror movie that I saw this year was in streaming. Um, which is like a really interesting thing that I want to touch on uh, a little later as well. But first, I just want to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2 because this was kind of like the first big test, like post-pandemic. The movie came out like in March of this year. It was supposed to come out in 2020, got pushed back again and again and again and again. Uh, Paramount, I'm sure, were eyeing that, you know, the opening of their streaming network and kind of like how to kind of link the two together. And when it came out in, in the cinemas, people, you know, actually went, yeah, 297 million. I think, like, overall, worldwide box office is, like, top 20, which is pretty, you know, pretty impressive in its own considering it's a horror movie. I loved the first of Quiet Place movie, and the second one I liked as well. I think John Krasinski really kind of showed you some real chops there, especially in that opening sequence, which is something else. Um, and for people out there who haven't seen it, you know, buckle your seatbelts because that opening, like, 10, 15 minutes, something else. What did you think of, of the sequel? Uh, and, and what did you think of the fact that this was kind of like the movie that kind of like, you know, put its foot into the deep end post-pandemic. Well, I, I will say I'm in, I'm impressed that this did as well as it did. This is actually the first movie that I was going to see as a, as a film critic in theaters. Um, Cause when I like officially did like the, the critic role, it was honestly, this was the movie. This was the first movie. Then honest, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, two days before I was going to go see this, the world shut down. And so I, I had to wait. I would say the first one is actually one of the better movies I've seen in years. Uh, all sound design. Uh, you know, I, a great thriller. I like it. Krasinski. I, I'm the kind of guy that I usually don't judge a book by its cover, but I didn't think he would be as good as he was as a director and mm. writing a, a horror film as that was. I thought the sequel is good. I got to be honest. The first one to me is such a perfect singular story. I, I didn't want it to continue on, but I'm also kind of cynical when it comes to things like this. I'm so bloated with everything having more that I, I always want a single story. I'm mm -hmm. the kind of guy that uh, to tie this in, 
I watched the first season of Stranger Things and I loved it and I refused to watch anything more because I was like, that's my story. I'm done. I don't I don't want to watch it anymore. So I thought Quiet, Play, Quiet Place Part 2 was good. I didn't think it was good as the first. That being said, I do think it's awesome that a newer movie that isn't already a, a known IP I had a sequel that is a, the top grossing horror film. I think that's cool. And honestly, even if it wasn't as good as the first, I still support Krasinski. And I, I, I think, hey, fuck it, man. Let's do it. Like, do do more horror. I hope that he does more uh, different stories, of course. I don't want A Quiet Place 4 and 5, personally. I don't need everything to be a franchise. But the fact that this is a new IP and, and did this well, I think is kind of, uh, it gives me a bit of hope, you know? Like, it's not Halloween. It's not Candyman. It's not something that has been around for most of my life. So the fact that he could pull that off, man, I'm down. Um, I didn't see it in theaters. I actually saw it on uh, Blu-ray or streaming or which one. I don't know. I watched it on my TV. And I got to be honest, I, the experience is perfect for me. I turned mm. it loud as hell. I, you know, I I would, I would, don't know how this would be in theaters because I feel like if somebody was eating popcorn or drinking, I might be upset because it's all sound design. All this is, is mix, you know? Very true. I mean, having having watched it in a big screen, that first 10, 15 minutes, especially kind of like was like, it was kind of like a jolt to the system because I was so used to watching stuff on a small screen for so long. When I watched that film, I was like, oh, God. You're talking oh, about the, the, pre, the prequel part, right? The, yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah. That, that was the best part of the movie. When I mean, it's, it, it's it's setting off everything. Yeah, it really is. And like I saw it as later um, on like this um, small screen streaming as well, because um, my wife couldn't go to the screening, but she liked the first film. She wanted to watch it. So I watched it again. And having seen her reaction to it, like her, it, it still worked into like in, in a more kind of like intimate setting. But then that was just a, just a great jolt to the system. It's kind of like almost like an adrenaline shot, you know, just in that prequel uh, sequence in, in that film, especially. Um, you know, in, it's really interesting about that movie. It's, it's very, very much shaping to become a franchise i think jeff jeff nichols was uh, attached for quite a while to be like um a director for like a spin-off from the movie as uh, of the franchise as well i think they're going to work on the third one with yeah, numbers yeah. numbers like that you can definitely see why but let's just uh, moving on now to another like set franchise which is the conjuring franchise now this has to be one of the most um disappointing movies for me of the year the conjuring the devil made me do it um you know look it's horror movies. What's so cool about them is you, uh, people, filmmakers can make them at a real kind of like budget, you know, stuff. Look at the whole kind of Bloomhouse kind of like model. They're making films for like a, at a set budget and they can make, you know, their budgets five times over in, in box office receipts. Yeah, they always like, make money. It's perfect. Always make money. The Country and Devil made me do it. It cost only like 30 something mil and I made 201 worldwide, you know. Yeah. And so maybe this question I'm going to pose is going to seem rather arrogant on my part. But to me, it feels like even though the box office receipts are there as a creative enterprise. It feels like the franchise is really running, running out of steam for me. Um, and the reason I say that is when I watched that first movie, that first Conjuring movie, to me, it was like almost like a, a glorious kind of throwback to these films of the 1970s. You know, Amityville Horror was a specific one. Um, this kind of like really kind of set smaller um, horror movies you know, family kind of family based, not made for families, but family based. Always a family at the center of it, kind of based on the true story. I love when horror movies do that; they say it's based on the true story, but they put the flourishes on it. Um, but it's got these really kind of in innovative kind of set pieces to it and scares to it that James Wan did such a great job with in that first movie. And by the time it got to The Conjuring, Death made me do it. We've had a couple of sequels, we've had spin-offs, we had prequels, we had this and that. And there's a formula to these films and that kind of like uh, quiet, quiet, quiet bang 
jump scare kind of stuff. Um, and and I've, I think I'm, we've so, been seeing so many of these films now and I'm so attuned to it. And the whole based on the Warrens kind of thing, which I, I, I like even look, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Catholic horror film. Even I could smell the bullshit from a mile away when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? Um, and they really pushed it to the limit a little too much with this film. It's like, I don't buy it. Where in the first Conjuring, you don't need to buy it, but it's such a small film, you can kind of get into the vibe of it. By the time I saw this movie, um, you know, the you know it, they jumped the shark big time. I think with this film, and yeah, it made money. I just don't think that people kind of like it has the same impact that it does anymore. That was my rant about it. Anyway, what about yourself? What did you think? Of, of no, the whole thing? so we're actually very similar in this. So here, I I actually really enjoyed the first Conjuring because I I look at that as every generation or not every generation, every decade, let's say, like, yeah, nineties, eighties, two thousands, twenty tens, yada yada, has. I think a movie that kind of shapes something like the, the ghost story uh, for most of the two thousands was lame. I think I, you know, personally the early two thousands, I think were a really dark time, um, but the conjuring and I guess on, on another level, you could say um, paranormal activity uh, kind of did their own thing. They kind of reinvented it in, in a modern way. And the conjuring was cool, man. It was a, it was jump scare heavy, but it had, it had atmosphere. It had a good look. Juan's yeah. an energetic director. And I was like, this is cool. It's not something I need 20 of, but I'm down. Let's do this. At least it's something. Um, but it's like, they made it the Marvel of horror. And so it's so, yeah. like you said, so formulaic at this point, I don't care. And the fact that it makes money makes me sad, but it's like, this is how life is now. It's either an indie movie that, it's amazing that makes, you know, a couple million or you got a franchise that, that makes, you know, there's no more $40 million movie. And so the conjuring devil made me do it. Uh, I saw it. I was, I thought it was lame, but I also thought the nun was lame. I thought uh, uh, Annabelle creation besides um, uh, the girl, I can't think of her name. She's blonde. She was in a couple things, uh hunting hell house. Uh, she's an amazing actress. Um, that doesn't I'll, matter. I'll look it up in mine. Go ahead. Um, but besides that, I, I'm just, I think it's like you said, it's formulaic. Like they got it down to a science. And once you have a science in horror, it's boring. Like again, I should also admit, I love schlocky sequels from the 80s. So I love all the Jasons, all the Freddies. And that that had that same formulaic thing. But I, I would also argue those had a bit of creativity and heart, even if they were pumped out by a studio. Where now, I, I do think it's, uh, there's too many hands in the shit. It's not... The Devil Didn't Make Me Do It might be a fun sequel if people are getting their heads ripped off and things are exploding. But like you said, it's, it's they've taken these two characters and run them into the ground. And it's just not my thing. I think it's maybe making money because it's great for 16 and 18 year olds. Maybe it could be that audience. I don't, I don't know who's seeing this. Yeah, uh, None of my friends love it. I Again, the first one was good. The second one was fine. But it's, it's, it's formulaic, man. It's generic. I don't know. I've never really... Things like this, it's like you got one or two and then move on. I, I just don't like that everything is 40 movies. I really don't. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I, I, I imagine you and I kind of like similar in the same age. And, you know, growing up myself as a child of the 80s, you know, that kind of franchise like Overkill is just part and parcel of the horror genre, isn't it? Like there's eight Freddies, there's how yeah. many Friday the 13th, Halloween, I mean, is something that came out this year and in Halloween Kills, that's like, I don't know, one number in, in the series of stuff. It's just, I think it's just part of the, the horror kind of experience, isn't it, where they kind of get that one idea, they water it down as much as they can, but people go and watch it because those films like that, I in the that's the reason why they call it a franchise film. It's kind of like McDonald's, you know, you like sometimes you just want to have that chicken nugget and, and, yeah. and chips, right? And it's, it's not safe, good. You know? it's, it's, it's cheap. It's it's easy to get. It's accessible. 
Uh, it's not good for you. You're not going to feel good <laughs> afterwards, but, uh, but you know, it, it's there for the moment. Just in regards to um, Annabelle Comes Home, the two stars from that was McKenna Grace, who was in um, the Ghostbusters movie this year, and Madison Eisman. She played the babysitter, um, the blonde. She was in um, well, um, J- the Jumanji movies and uh, Goosebumps okay. movies as well and, and Modern Family. So those might be the, uh, the actresses uh, they're talking about there. Um, let's move on now to another film, really a film that kind of divided opinion, um, and that's M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I love the Sixth Sense and, and Signs and Unbreakable to, to such a degree that whenever an M. Night Shyamalan film to come out, even though it goes against my most primal base, you know, judgments, I will give it a shot and I'll see if the guy still has the magic again. Um, which, in my opinion, with old, kind of like says he does not. Um, <laughs> like, like I said, number four in a worldwide box office in horror films in regards to you know, regards to horror films at ninety million. Um, critically speaking, this was a film that really kind of like divided opinion right down the middle. I mean, if you look at Run to Mars, it sits right at fifty percent. And if you look also at the um, the audience reaction score, which is kind of like. You know, depending on, on you know uh, on, on what type of film we're talking about, this one is also sits right at fifty three percent in regards to audience reaction as well. Um, so we have a, a like a large sample size here that says that some people really dug it, some people did not. I was in you know the did not camp, um, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with just like you know just yeah, in like Shyamalan as a filmmaker, sometimes you know he can just. This isn't based on a ridge story. It's based on a, on, a, on a graphic novel, a French graphic novel, from what I know of, called Sandcastle. But he can come up with really—he's an ideas man to me. He can come up yes. with the greatest ideas, but he just doesn't know how to flesh them out. And I think the big problem with it is story structure and the clunkiness, and then that kind of just snowballs into you know how he kind of gets his performance performance of this stuff. You know, he's, this is really great cast. You got Gail Garcia Bernal and. And Nat, uh, Nat Wolf and and Rufus Sewell, sorry Alex Wolf, I say Thomas and McKenzie, who's one of my favorite uh, young upcoming yes. uh, actors working today. And so, uh, not one of them do a good job in this film. And I think a lot of it comes down to the screenplay and, and, the, and the direction that M Night Shyamalan has. Um, but people went to see it because I think he's just one of those kind of names, you know, that people uh, kind of like attach those, you know, those big films to. Um, he's got he's got law behind him, but that doesn't necessarily translate to good movies. Where did you stand, kind of like the old kind of like thing? Were you with the, the good camp or the bad camp? Well, let me say this. You and me are, are very close on this when it comes to, I was in theaters for Sixth Sense. I was in theaters for Unbreakable. I was in theaters for Signs. And I, I, I will admit that is his trifecta, even though the ending of Signs I have issues with, but whatever. Uh, I, Unbreakable is one of those I loved when it came out. I love it more now. I think it's one of the better superhero movies, especially how low key he plays it. And, and uh, you're right. Something I think it's is I don't know what it is. I, I always think about this because what was it about him in the early 2000s or 1999 and on that that is not here now? Because old I thought was okay. I didn't hate as much as other people. Um, I thought it had moments I liked. The ending was, he, I can't, he can't do an ending. I think his dialogue at this point is atrocious. Mm. Like you said, the actors are all great, but the dialogue is so, I don't know what it is. I think it's, it's, it's campy, but it's also, um, it's over explaining it. There's a word for that. Um, uh, yeah. Ex- a lot of exposition. To it. Yeah. It's all exposition. That, mm. that, the whole movie was people saying things out loud. I'm like, man, if you would just cut half the dialogue and just go with, 
acting, but they kept saying everything. That, yeah. My problem with it's such a cool concept. People essentially aging a whole lifetime in a day, but they're saying everything that's happening out loud. And I was like, man, you're ruining it. Yeah. And he's a good director. I, I honestly think he should not touch scripts. And I, I'm not being rude. I'm not a writer. So who am I? But I think in terms of cam work, direction, style, I like him. I just don't think I don't think he should be involved in the, the other process because clearly there's a disconnect. I, I old was I saw it. It was the first one I actually got to see in theaters uh, as a as a critic. So I got to go to like a critic screening and people seem to like it a lot more than I did. I walked out with like 40 questions like, OK, well, now this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Um, but I was, I'm the same way though. I, I had this, this little bit of hope. I'm like, okay, maybe he's going to come back one day. Hmm. Cause I do think he's talented. I just, I don't think he should write. I think that's hmm. it. I mean, I know he didn't write this one, but he really did. He, he took a concept and he wrote the screenplay. Yeah. He should have had somebody else do the screenplay. Just be the director. I, I, I think that would be his best bet. Um, I'm rooting for him. Cause he seems like a good guy. I'm not going to pile on, you know, like, uh, I want him to do well. Is that weird and optimistic? No, I'm I'm, the, I'm exactly the same. I'm the kind of guy that holds out hope that his next, like the, whatever movies it is, I'm going to continue to watch it because having the experience of seeing, like he's kind of like you know watching uh, like a basketball player who who you know you know you've seen him score fifty, right? Um, but then he has a like a bunch of like you know single uh, uh, like single digit games and he's shooting twenty five percent. It's kind of like watching Russell. Red. I don't know if you follow uh, any basketball. But it's kind of like watching Russell Westbrook at the moment with the Lakers, right? You know he's an MVP caliber player, and you know that when he's on his strengths, when he's on his game, that he's going to give you something magnificent. But when he, when the weaknesses take over and the weaknesses are glaring, um, he's going to have so many dud games. You kind of mars the legacy of what came beforehand. Um, so I'm the same. I would yeah. love to see in the in the credits for M Night Shyamalan more story by M Night Shyamalan in screenplay. Yeah, concept. Screenplay like by you're right. Exactly. exactly. I, I, I'm the same here. Yeah, I, I I hope he has it. I mean, I before we we jump on, I will say that I thought the visit was good, and I I dug. Um, uh, I like split. Was split, which was split the 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 third one, or what was the second one? I can't think. I'm so uh, bad at names. In regards to his whole, uh, 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 no, or not, uh, there's Unbreakable. There's uh, one in the middle, and there's the third one. I, I can't. Is split the third, or is from one I know, glass, glass is the third. Split is the second, right? In the trilogy. Yes, yes that's right. Split yeah. I liked. Glass I I didn't. Uh, yes, glass kind of lame. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, you have in that trilogy itself. I think it just speaks to what his career as as a whole as a kind of creative guy. Unbreakable was kind of like this really kind of interesting um, kind of like film that he had that that delved into this kind of like different world, and but he had these kind of like filmmaking talent there, and, and it kind of worked, and it became this cult hit. And then split which was like this really kind of almost like a comeback thing for him because yes. he had the visit yeah. before that but split was the one that really kind of made people go oh yeah this is the guy to remember yeah. and then he follows that with the exact same cast the exact same concept the exact same you know he's the guy he's created force and glass it's like plummeted um and i think a lot of people held hope that glass would be like you know the next step forward for yeah. him and the it just return yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. and it just went five steps back yeah. I, I mean i feel bad saying this but Bruce Willis has given up on life and he shouldn't yes. be cast in movies. And that was, that was the one where I'm like, okay, Bruce Willis, I know you've come out and said you hate action movies. You hate them. This is not action. So if you truly care about acting and it's just, you don't want to hold a gun anymore then 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 glass should be his best performance. And he, he showed up half asleep and he didn't give a shit. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I love this guy back in the nineties the and eighties, but Bruce Willis seems to go away now. I, I breaks my heart to say that. 
That's uh, that's I think that's definitely has to be a video that you need to put together for Joe Blow because <laughs> that is such an interesting like just to go off the, the beaten path here. I mean, the whole kind of thing just I you know like 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 myself. I'm sure you get a lot of um you know emails from distributors etc. And and whenever I get one for like the the next Bruce Willis film, it just it looks like the last five Bruce Willis films. Like it looks like the same concept art, the same type of character, the same kind of like you know a BDI kind of Bruce Willis uh, on the cover. It doesn't look any different to the previous one, you know. And and I myself was I was hoping Glass would be kind of like a bit of a shot to the system for him, yeah. but it clearly yeah. wasn't. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there either, which is a shame because there was once upon a time when the guy was working with interesting filmmakers. You know, he's I think a good actor. Yeah, he's yeah. a very good actor, but um, I don't know. Something's going on there, which is like really, really odd. One day, one day we're going to see a documentary or a film made about that man's uh, yeah. later half of career he, because yeah, it's something else. Well, there's a, I've, I watched a video. I, I wish I could quote the guy who who did it. I don't know who it was, but they they kind of pieced something together. Like okay. He has this contract where, like, he doesn't. He only works for like like three days. And, and I'm I'm don't give, give me specific. I'm not being very specific because I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing a video I watched like a month ago. But the video basically said he works for a couple of days. His contract says, "Okay, you hire me. You put me on the cover. I'm Bruce Willis. I'll make you some money overseas. Yeah. I show up for two days on set. Mm-hmm. Anytime it's not my face, you're using my body double. So anytime it's any side or back shot that you can't see his eyes, it's a body double. He tends to sit down a lot. So I think he's pulling a a late. Uh, stage to goal where it's like i'm just going to use my name work a couple days a week make millions you know i i I think it's kind of like a i shouldn't say scheme but let's just say allegedly a scheme kind of like how adam sandler seems to always make movies in hawaii with like his 10 best friends and it's it's very cheap but it's he gets a free vacation allegedly Mm -hmm. i think bruce wills is on that path right now where it's like he has what 15 years left of life 20 maybe so he's just going to this is basically retired. I, I don't think he wants to act. I think he does this for the paycheck because he was kicked off of Expendables three for or requesting like a crap ton of money for being in like ten minutes. And Sloan's like, "We'll get your ass out of here." Stallone, yeah. on the other hand, is uh, you know, like I said, we grew up in the same era. I love Sloan. He's still hustling, even if he makes a bad movie now or then. He cares, and yes. I love that. You know, so yeah. uh, r- rant over. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I think that Expendables three thing says everything because he did ask for a, a god a huge amount of money from supposedly one of his best mates who's a, also a producer in the film for minimal impact. And Stallone was really kind of cool about it. He was like, oh, it's okay. I'll get Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Stallone's a man. Good for he him. He is. He definitely is. Let's talk about, you know, well, I mentioned at the start of our conversation in regards to horror movies and just its ability to survive. Um, whatever the trends are, whether they be technological, whether they be, you know, pandemic-induced like we've seen in the last couple of years, it's always there. And I think the big thing about this past couple of years it was people really hardcore flocking into the streaming services. I mean, people were watching streaming stuff. And, you know, Netflix and children come out from nowhere, right? People are already doing this. But when you have no other option, that's when a lot of kind of like different, you know, uh, uh, organizations and in, 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 in such like a Paramount Network or Disney Plus have said, really said, okay, we've got to get our shit together now, get all our content out now. And I think a, a streaming service that did a really, really good shot, drop with that was Shudder. Um, so oh, yes, yes. people who don't know, Shudder is kind of like their premiere kind of like horror movie streaming service. They've got original films, they've got classic films. They merged off into like TV stuff now, or TV as in, you know, serial, um, and then also, you know, documentary, et cetera. 
Um, and, you know, Shutter became available here in Australia, I think it was early last year, maybe a little bit the year before. So it's now a worldwide thing. And, you know, you, you both of us are, are writing our end of year lists. I'm writing on my, you know, horror movie list as well. I'm going to just say at the top of my head, maybe 60 to 70% of the titles there have premiered on Shutter um, because the content there is just really strong. Um, I think it's really kind of, they've really established themselves really well as kind of like the kind of place to go to see horror content. And then they've done it at the exact right time because that's where people are going to watch this stuff. And their, their subscription numbers have gone like way, way high because of it. What, what's, your, uh, what's your take on the whole kind of the shutter, shutter thing? I- I love them more than life itself. I've always wanted a, a horror streaming service. I think it was Channel Zero. There's somebody who did it before, but they didn't do it well. They slipped up, um, and then Shutter came around. I've I've been a, a subscriber for at least two or three years now. I I did it for Joe Bob because I grew up on on uh, Monster Vision TNT. Uh, I love that man. I, he was like my horror host. Mm. I mean, I guess Sven Gulli was around as well since I you know I grew up in the the south suburbs of Chicago, but. I love Shutter, man. I love it. I think they're consistent. They they put out good stuff. I I, I know they're not necessarily independent, but they're not crazy big. Um, so there's a, a sense of I'm I'm supporting people when I I, I sign for Shutter. Plus, it gave Greg Nicotero the money to make uh, the Creepshow TV series, which is schlocky and and fun and amazing, and just reminds me of the old tales from the crypt kind of stuff. Uh, right. I love it, man. I mean, they even brought Avira back for I think her 40 year anniversary. So. I will support Shutter for the rest of my life until they go away. Um, any place that gives Joe Bob, any place that gives uh, Elvira room to grow. And like you said, uh, a lot of the originals. So I, I have a hard time knowing what's exactly on Shutter because a lot of times I'll, I'll watch a, a screener and, and then I realize, oh, that's it's a Shutter ex- exclusive. So like I, I, I don't always see it in the same um, order, but Everything they do, I agree with. I should say that. I, I'm going to just be a whore and say that I, I whatever they do, I'm down. They've proven themselves to be actual fans, and I'm a man that supports anything that that that's good. You got to love the business model as well. It's not only just about the budgets, not only about you know choosing the correct content. It's about certain philosophies in regards to as well, like practical effects, for example. Yes. Um, yes. For for you know growing up watching like you know the John Carpenter films, etc., having that kind of like embedded in you. Like I'm not I I'm not um, down on CGI per se. Like I watch so many films, and I'm sure CGI. Uh, uh, play a big part in the creation of them and they, they look looks great, etc. It's something about the kind of practical effects uh, part of it, the kind of like creature feature makeup stuff that I just absolutely yeah. love. I love the craft of it. I like the application of it. Sometimes it might not look the most convincing, but you know, you know, some, once in a while taking a peek behind the curtain, seeing how, how Oz works can it's, a, it's an interesting thing to me. Um, and it's, I think it's the way there on screen. Yeah, that's exactly. that's what I like. Like I, I don't, I'm with you. Whether it looks great or not something about being light or lit blocked and filmed, you know, I can see GI 10 years later, five years later, always looks like shit besides Jurassic park. Nothing holds up. Mm. Uh, maybe I guess Terminator too. Um, but no, no, but practical head, there's something to it. And it could be that we're, we're nostalgic. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't know if my little brother is going to have the same view on it, but we grew up in a time where people didn't make things and create them. And, and, you know, I think when you render something, the, the little bit of souls lost. I do. Mm. 
I'm not saying it can't be good. I mean, doesn't um, uh, David Fincher use a shit ton of CGI, but it's always a tree or a sky or like yeah. a building. Like that's a CGI that I love where it expands something, but I don't notice it. But when it's a monster, it's always lame. It's always lame. I, I'm going to say that right now. Because it's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when, when that Spider-Man <laughs> film came out, No Way Home, I did a kind of like a went back and watched kind of like the Tobey Maguire, even some of the Andrew Garfield one, because my kids love Spider-Man, so I went back and watched the old ones. And you're just like, Ooh, I don't remember looking at so, so cartoonish, that CGI, when I watched it in cinemas back in uh, 2002. No, it um, good, but yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, it's like you got to, you appreciate the, the, the work put into it, you appreciate the craft put into it, but there's a certain... Um, it doesn't hold up to the like the ravages of time, you know. It really doesn't. Whereas when I watch kind of like the thing, or you know, Pumpkinhead or something like that, you just like wow, you know. You're just watching. It's almost to me, it's like great artistry when you watch someone like a Stan Winston do his stuff or or, yes. or, or whoever. Um, it's a, I just love watching that stuff and I watch it come to life. And I think Shudder really do a good job in kind of like keeping that flame alive. Um, you know, do it with you know respectable budgets. Um, they create great films. They have films that can sometimes really push the boundaries, but that's what horror is about sometimes. Um, and I just really dig what they've been doing. And like I said, a lot of the film, of their films are showing up in my final top ten uh, for for twenty twenty one in my favorite horror movies. Let's talk about. To... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, 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 I was just going to say, can you, you name a couple off of Shutter? Because I feel embarrassed. I I don't know specifically what's a Shutter original and what's not. Um, like VHS ninety four was on Shutter. That was that. Sh- that was really fun. Um, I like the the boy behind the door. I thought that was a pretty good uh, film that came out uh, a couple months ago. Um, I, I, I never saw it. Everybody says it was good. I it passed me up. It's one of those things. But I have heard good things about that. That's that, a good uh, one. Uh, Jacob's wife. I thought well, Barbara Cranston in that film was really good as well. Oh yes, I agree. Yeah. That was a Shutter. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. She that was her. That was her career defining performance. I yeah. loved it. She had so much uh, scenery to show. It was great. Um, I don't have my list in front of me though, but there's a whole like a whole bunch of them. No, okay. Yeah. And I like I like really like the kind of like the stuff they did with their um kind of document. They had a kind of like whole documentary series on like um um uh, what was it um um oh anyway I, I can't think of the top of my head, but I had like a whole documentary series that kind of like based on different genres of horror movies as well. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, there's a, those, the cursed one too that went yeah. on the, the yeah, which I thought was respectable. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, Shutter, pretty, yeah. I'm not sure if it was an original, but I did watch that um, uh, Exorcist documentary that um, um, uh, that based on it was called Leap of Faith, and there was like a whole kind of like it was like a long form interview with um, William Freakin, um, oh. and that was pretty good too because I'm a huge Exorcist fan. I'm not sure if that was a Shutter original though, but I did I had it like I did have it come from the Shutter uh, marketing team to me. Um, it could have been like a, a like a premiere exclusive to like my territory. Um, that was a really good uh, film as well. I like freaking every time I watch an interview with him, he's, he's so brutally honest that it, it brings me, uh, you know, a lot of joy because he's old school and nobody would talk like that. You know? Oh man. Did you have, you, did you see it was from a, a few years back when he was doing it? Um, it was like Nicholas winding reference from um, drive and um, only God forgives was interviewing him. Um, and they were talking about, you know, their, their films and the, the kind of like, and they'll talk about the notion of masterpiece and Nicholas Winding reference says, you know, I made Only God Forgives, and you know, that was a masterpiece, and no one watched it. And freaking said, whoa, 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 can we hold up? Can someone just check this guy for if he's drunk right now? Did you say that piece of shit was a masterpiece? He said it straight to his face. He knows he's the guy who made it, you know, and Winding reference yeah. like, yeah, it's like, no, no, Citizen Kane is a masterpiece. Your film wasn't nothing like a masterpiece, you know, and 
you gotta love it. He's just like like zero fucks given yeah. kind of like attitude yeah. to life. Dude, not even has. like not even being nice. Just no. just yeah. He's gonna walk away and never see the guy again. Yeah. No, the dude survived. You know all all types of the you know addictions and in in, in in you know studio interference over the decades. Like he's a he's a grizzled vet. He's not gonna. He's not going to tolerate anything anymore. I can't wait to see him do something again. But I don't know when that's going to happen. Probably not. I mean, he. I, I not to sound cynical. I hope he does. I, I'm. I hope he doesn't because I feel like the the artistry that that guy came from isn't around, and they would nickel and dime him. I don't know if they even get the freedom. The Exorcist and Rampage, which are the two of the movies that screwed me up as a kid. I didn't. Get Rampage, a, I, I, the, oh yeah, I, I. You know, like just a guy randomly killing people as like a little mm. kid. You know that messed me up as much. And then yeah, The Exorcist. So as far as I'm concerned. That guy's a king. I even like The Guardian. And that's just a really stupid tree movie. But I, I don't know. I like the guy. I think yeah, Freakin's one of the, the better directors of our, our generation. And, I, and I'm glad that he, he got to do it during that time. Anybody did, comes out now, you know. Yeah, I did a whole, um, I, I do kind of like monthly kind of direct the spotlights. And I, like I, I look at certain films, I do a top 10. And I did Freakin was one of my last ones. And uh, Rampage was like my top 10 of his movies. That's a movie that deserves to have a, have a bit of a you know remaster and a, and a re-release because um, I don't even know if you can find it anywhere. I think I found I, it on, on yeah. uh, YouTube somewhere. You know, I grew up on the VHS. I don't think I ever saw it on DVD. I know there's like two different cuts. I, I've only seen whatever the one that was in the video stores, um, but it 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 got to me. And again, what scares people is, is obviously so subjective. But to me, I just love the fact that it, it you know the guy just goes and kills. A kid goes, kills a mom, kills a dad, mm. and it's just so cold. And plus, Michael Bean. I mean, mm. you know, it's not forget about him. I, and I'm any spotlight you could shine, Rampage makes me happy because I think that's one of those films that will end up lost to time. I don't see them doing remaster. I hope they do, but I don't know. I get worried. It hasn't been on Blu-ray. It, I don't think it was on DVD. What's the chance of being on 4K? You know, it could be one of those just lost lost, movies. lost to time. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. I of know. Them. Yeah, yeah. It breaks my heart. That's why I'm such a big uh, physical media guy. Yes, like, me too. If you don't, if you don't own it, man, it doesn't exist. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you, one day you could be watching a Prince of Darkness on a streaming network, and then the next month you, it's gone. You know, and that's why I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I, I remember I watched uh, over the pandemic. I watched Community for the first time, and then like a week later, they removed like two episodes. I'm like, I would have never known. So you mm. never know. I don't know. But that's that's a different uh, argument for a different day. Um, Let's talk about 2022 horror releases any anticipated titles that you have there um you know it's going to be another you know interesting yeah i think it's going to be one of those years again where we're going to see like kind of like a domination kind of like on the streaming services in regards to but there's having looked at kind of like some of the movies that are around there's some films i didn't even know they were making um like for example there's a, going to be a new evil dead movie called evil dead rise which yes. is releasing in october um, there's a new Salem slot that they're making as well. I mean, talk about films when you watch it as a kid, that kind of fuck you up. That's a guy, one of them right there. Um, that's like vampires, yeah, yeah. The one that I'm most looking forward to is The Black Phone, which is um, the latest film from, from Scott Derrickson, um, starring Ethan Hawke. Which, in my opinion, you know, as the years have gone by, I think Ethan Hawke has proven himself to be the most enduring and most important actors of his generation, um, just in his ability to not only play different roles, but to really choose quality, work with quality filmmakers and, and do quality stories. Um, so in, in, in this one, um, it's, you know, he's playing the, the villain, you know, it's, and it's um, oh, yeah, written by um, C. Robert Cargill, who, who actually wrote um, uh, uh, Sinister, I'm pretty sure. 
um, with um, yes. with um, Scott Derrickson. And look, everything that I've seen Scott Derrickson do so far, I'm a fan of. I was even a fan of um, Deliver Us from Evil, which is that movie that he did with Eric Banner. Um, I was a fan of that one as well. Um, and that, to me, this is a movie that I'm really looking forward to watching. Supposedly, um, festival uh, screenings um, earlier this year was very positive. Um, this, the trailer looks awesome. Um, that's something I'm looking forward to. What about yourself in 2022? Is any films going to stick out for you? Well, uh, let me let me say this. I've loved Ethan Hawke my entire life ever since. Uh, um, what was the first Ethan Hawke movie? Saw? I think Gattaca, maybe, because I saw Gattaca in theaters uh, as a little kid. Um, so, I, no, I, I, I love it. I would actually say I remember Sinister being super impressive. Sinister did something I've never seen done, and I, I, I will always think of it. Um, after Ethan Hawke figures out what's going on, he sees the tapes. He burns them and goes, let's get the fuck out of the house. And he leaves. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's never happened. I mean, of yeah. course, it still catches up with him. But I remember being like, they finally did it. Because, you know, every movie, they stay. They, there's reasons. He's like, get in the car. We're leaving. Yeah. And I always think about that. And so I'm excited. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I even watched a trailer. Uh, I'm Any movie that I, I really want to see now, I, I might watch a second. But I, tra- trailers have gotten more spoilery. Maybe they've always been. But mm. I'm to the point now where... I get nervous watching a trailer because I'm like, well, I'm going to see the last scene. I mean, there's a lot of times they show the last scene. So like, I'll, I'll turn a trailer off if the movie's good. Uh, I didn't watch this because I, I like uh, Derrickson. I like um, the writer, the, the Robert Cargill. Robert Cargill, yeah. Right? yeah. See Robert Cargill. Uh, and anything Ethan Hawke's in, I'll see. So I, I'm, I'm a giant fan. I, so I, I'm going to go old school. I'm excited for Evil Dead just because I think the Evil Dead remake was probably the best remake ever made. Mm. And I hear this one's going to continue that intensity. It's not going to have um, um, Alvarez directing, but I, I know Sam Raimi's producing and they, they seem like they're going the same direction. Uh, in an odd way, I'm excited about Scream and I don't, I haven't been upset about Scream in years, but I have a, a feeling this will be hopefully one that, that kills off Sidney Prescott and I don't mm-hmm. know, I kind of want an ending. Uh, what else came out this year? Uh, Halloween. I, I, okay, we didn't go over it, but I liked Halloween Kills. It's stupid. I know nobody else likes it. I like dumb movies. I'm I am in the same camp. I mean, I, I didn't think it was the greatest film in the world, but I saw where why where David Gordon Green was going with it. To me, I was looking at that film as kind of like a center film in a trilogy of movies, and I think that center film that this part two of Halloween, this to me was the film more talked about a what the effect a serial killer has on the community. That's what I, that's how I took that film as it's about the paranoia. It's about the madness. It's about the fear that the community has. And, uh, and it's one of those films as well that I think hopefully maybe in time, people will look back on that and show some more. So, you know, a little more, you know, appreciation towards what he was doing with it. Like I said, it wasn't the best film, horror film that I saw, but it's one that I kind of liked. And I remember when I put my review up, some people were getting in touch with me saying, huh, I, I didn't think you were like that because I didn't like it myself. And I had a bunch of people said that. So I think you're the only one actually that I've talked to that actually had something, something positive to say about it. I, I, mean, I, was, I was one of them. Yeah. I, 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 let's just say this. I, my opinion is I, I think the themes of it were great. I don't know if they executed them well enough. I, I'll be fair. And, you know, people are making fun. Red Letter Media had that whole a great episode where the, it was just, you know, evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. It was schlocky. <laughs> I mean, again, the ideas were there. I don't know if they really did them well. But I like the kind of sequels like this where it's let's murder a bunch of people in cool, gory ways. And I, I'm going to be this guy. I don't want Michael Myers to be human. If he's human, he's human in the first one. If he's human in the sequels, it's lame. For this, the simple reason that 
if he's human right now, he's a 69 year old man. I'm not scared of that. But if he's inhuman or unhuman or inhuman, whatever the word is, uh, I find that more threatening. Basically, I, I subscribe to the very unpopular opinion. Jason, Jason Voorhees is a zombie in my, in my mind. And I want Michael Myers, if he's not in the first movie, to be undead. Because a 65-year-old man, you know, unless he's doing, even if he's doing push-ups and sit-ups and keeping himself in shape, he's, he's still 65. I could, I could outdo you, dude. Come on. So, I don't know. I, I, I like that he was unstoppable. And I know people hated that. But I'm like, good. That's what it should be. He's old. I want him to... to rip through heads and stop heads and, you know, take four shots to the chest as he did in the first or six. And as he did in the first one, you know, I I guess the first one ends saying he's, he's not human, but I don't know. I I guess I'm just tangenting now about, I don't like that people want a 65 year old human walking around killing people. So where Halloween kind of like became this kind of like retroactive kind of like sequel series where after the first one, every other film is kind of like wiped off kind of like the board and he's like the actual sequel sequels, which is a concept I'm not really a big fan of for, for many reasons. Um, next year, we're going to have a same thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're going to release a, a new film, which is supposed to going to be the spiritual sequel to, to Tobe Hooper's um, 1974 film. Um, Hold on. They did that, though. Do you remember they did that in, with 3D? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do it all the time. And I think yeah. people forget that. Um, but here we go again. Um you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of all the kind of the horror franchises, that's kind of like the one that I was never really got into. I've seen the first Agreed. movie Agreed. a bunch of times. I've seen it a lot of times. And I I know I appreciate the, the filmmaking towards it. And I imagine when watching it back in the 70s, it would have been such a, like, something else, right? Because, you know, it's even watching it now, yeah, it's that rawness to it and just the, the screaming and the, the film the film work, etc. But it's never been a franchise that I really kind of went, eh, you know, that's I want to feel like watching Leatherface tonight. Might have to do with the kind of the crazy nature of Leatherface himself. Um, I think out of order, kind of like the horror movie villains, um, he's the one that's kind of like, you know, the, he's he's very much like the, the demented inbred step-cousin that like, like lives in the basement of, you know, yeah. if, if there was a reality... If there was a reality show where all the movie monsters lived in like in the same place, you know, Leatherface is a guy that they don't invite to go out for like you know for a bar or to drink. They don't don't tell Leatherface we're going out because he's just gonna he'll he'll just do something really weird. Like I don't know, he's, like he's not know. interesting. No. You know, he's a one note character. I, I'm with you, man. I I don't care for the. I love the first one. I grew up on it. Um, the sequel, I I, I kind of go back and forth. I really liked um, Dennis Hopper. Mm. Um, I like that it's kind of goofy, but I'll be honest, I've never really, I, I kind of feel like the, 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 this franchise is the one that makes the same movie over and over without having fun. Right. You know, I like some dumb sequels. I really, really do. And I usually like them if it just kind of lets loose. Those always try to kind of be serious. And so it's the same movie. This new one coming out, I'm like, we've done it four times or five times. Who cares? I don't know. And I, I'm more cynical when it comes to stuff like this, because by now, they haven't figured it out. They're not going to figure it out. That is just a character that, that is not meant to have legs. You know, they're not all going to be Jason's and Freddy's and Michael Myers um, and uh, leprechauns, whatever uh, leather faces and that guy. So I'm with you, man. I, I, I'll see it. I think it's going to come on Netflix, right? Right. Um, yeah. So I'll watch it kind of, you know, I'll put it on, but I, I don't care, you know, cause again, we've done this how many times that's mm-hmm. my big thing. There's nothing yeah. special. It's, they failed every other time I've seen them. No other sequel I've really liked. So is this going to be the one? Maybe, but pr- probably not, you know. It's really, opinion. yeah, really interesting kind of like uh, this year how, 
you know, talk about Quiet Place Part 2 and wondering how sequels have done so well. But I think the cool thing about 2021 is how many original stories came out in regards to horror movies. And I think that has to do with kind of streaming services like Shudder. You can get independent filmmakers to make little films and they can you can show them out there. And, you know, sure enough, there's concepts to films where, you know, you had the whole kind of Fear Street trilogy thing that was on Netflix, which is yeah. kind of like, you know, the whole kind of slasher fun. thing. But it was yeah. it was a fun. It was a water cooler kind of what the, well, I don't know if there's water. No one's hanging around water coolers anymore, but it was. What <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, a gathering of and We all talk about it. So it's like a uh, an event, TV it event. Is. It yeah. is. And um, I think, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what 2022 does in regards to the balance between cinema releases, you know, stuff releasing on, on streaming, because, you know, hopefully, you know, the hope is that, you know, more people as, as we kind of get this, you know, pandemic kind of like, I'm like, I'm not, I don't know where it's going to go because it's so many twists and turns. It's its own fucking horror movie at this point, but, you know, hopefully 2022, um, more people can get into cinemas and such and, um, and watch horror movies there. But I think I just have a feeling that this is kind of like in the 80s where, you know, horror really thrived kind of like in the, the video era. I think the streaming era is going to be so good for horror movies and it has proven to be so in 2021. And it's been really cool to, to you know, chat with you about about 20, uh, horror movies in 2021. And, you know, is there any other films that you, want to, that you wanted to talk about that we haven't well, uh, talked about today? Well, let me say this, because I, I, I don't know where you stand as much. I'm actually, in, in this weird way, because I grew up at the theaters, I am more excited about streaming because I, I, I feel I get to see more. I, it's not more in terms of uh, uh, quantity, but I just think the freedom of making films is, is on streaming right now. It's not theaters. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't care. Like I'm the kind of guy that I want same day releases. Sometimes mm. I want to go to the theater, but sometimes I want to be at home. I don't want to go pay $45 to have somebody on their phone in front of me and then have to deal with it. You know, I like uh, horror, at least where I'm from horror movies are like in the last 20 years, man, risky thing to see. Uh, I've yet to see a horror movie where people didn't laugh or talk. It's, mm. it's just, I remember I almost walked out of uh, Halloween 2018 because people were having a conversation and I'm glad I got to watch it at my house. Lights off, loud as can be. Um, I guess the only other movie that came out this year that I, I'm kind of curious in your opinion was Candyman because that was one that was pushed back like 40 times. Um, uh, and, and I think it's Nick Acosta. She's the director. Uh, Jordan Peele wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, as somebody who's from and around the area of Chicago, I consider the original Candyman one of the best uh, romantic horror movies ever made. What's your view on the new one? I thought that Neo DaCosta did some really good things visually in regards to that film. I thought the look of the film looked great. But at the end of the day, it felt like a political message imposing as a horror movie. That's what it felt like to me. Um, and I think there's a, there's a balance to getting stuff like that right. The history of horror movies, a lot of it has been movies that in many ways are, are political. But the political side of it did not overtake the story of it. The political side comes out organically through the storytelling of it. So people look back at something like Night of the Living Dead, the original one that Romero did in the late 60s, right? And they talked about how such a watershed moment that movie was. But it wasn't a film that when you're watching it, it was hitting its ideas up over your head. It was a film that let you think about it through the process of the storytelling. And I think that's a really kind of clever way to go about it. I think the problem with a lot of, uh, kind of what can be branded as activist, activist filmmaking, 
is how you approach it. Are you trying to make a film to push a message or do you have a message that, uh, uh, are you trying to produce a film that has a message or are you trying to push a message in the form of a film? You know what I mean? I mean, and there's a, there's a, it is a balancing act there. And I think the problem with something like Candyman as well is that you seem like Candyman in this presence of this movie um, was more of an idea instead of a, a figure. And what was so cool about that original movie was what Tony Todd did with that character. It was such a sorrowful performance. It was a scary performance as well. You don't really get that in this movie. You know what I actually compared the new Candyman movie to? It might seem like a weird comparison, but hear me out. The second um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, um, part two. Um, so that was okay, a movie. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that was a movie where, okay, Freddie is in the film, but he's not necessarily the star of the film. Freddie is played through this young man, right? It's a possession movie. Freddie is trying to get through this guy. So it's like almost like the idea of, of Freddie in regards to him as a mal- malvolent spirit trying to get through this kid, okay? And then from that, people can get ideas about who this kid is. Is this a story about his repressed homosexuality? Is it, a, is it about this? Is it about that? And to me, it's almost kind of like the same thing where Candyman lives through people of trauma and trauma induces the Candyman to come out. Um, and the first Candyman movie in many ways touches on a lot of the subject matter in regards to race, in regards to slavery and all that stuff, and the gender in Chicago and the ghettos and all that stuff. But it did so in a really organic way that kind of just, you just, as the movie unfolded, you're getting this message and then you're leaving thinking, I watched a really great horror movie that made me think, as opposed to I watched a political, social message film that posed as a horror movie. And I think that was the biggest yeah. problem that I had with it. No, I, I think you're right. The, the original had all the same ideas as the remake. Um, it's just, it, it was a smoother transition. I, I'm, the funny thing is when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this was actually, I thought it was better than I expected. I was very nervous. Um, I, I mean, the ending though, I think the ending is is so clunky. It, it it was, even in my review, I was like, you know, the ending is, is it's rough. But the more I thought about it, the more it's like, man, it was, this the new one was a little more of a generic slasher so i kind of like you said i like it, it was a possession movie but like they, they framed it as a slasher where i felt like the other one was this just sort of like uh descent into madness but i would also argue the candy man's a good example of somebody that that doesn't need sequels like you mm. know i, I like the second one but it's not good you know it's one of those like i like it more of a of a schlocky sequel but if i could wish it away and just have the original i, I would um yeah, I like um I, the, the lead actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. I'm so bad at names. Oh, I'll try um, to look it up. Go ahead. It's a uh, the, but the guy that played the main character in the new Candyman. I like him. He's he was in Watchmen. He's uh, the new guy. He's in Morpheus in the new Matrix, which yes. is also rough. Um, I'm pretty sure like he was in um, Aquaman as well. I, 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 I never I, I never saw Aquaman. He might be. I think he plays yeah. Black Mantis in Aquaman, but I'm not. I like him. I want him to to to. I hope his career. Blue up blossoms because he's a great actor. I just, I, I don't know. Candyman is one of those that I, I, the more I think about, it, the more I just I'm like, ah, it's it's a lot more generic than I thought it'd be, and and it just doesn't nail home the message that it, it wants to nail home. In my opinion, I mean, I know a lot of people loved it. So, as somebody who likes a lot of things that people don't, I'm I would never fight anybody on it. I'd say love it what you love, but I don't know. I was hoping his, more. You know? Yeah, his name is Yaya Abdul Martin the second. Um, and yeah, he's he's a burgeoning star, that's for sure. He was, yeah, he was in Aquaman. He's gonna be in the Aquaman sequel. 
um, Matrix, The Trial of Chicago 7. So he's Watchmen. So he's like one of those. He was in Us as well, which was the other kind of Jordan Peele movie. So, yeah, he's one of those actors that's really kind of like growing in stature and in, in, in urging. And I hope world. he does. He's good. Yeah. I just, I, you know, there's been a few. I, I feel like uh, he needs a better agent. Because he's in a lot of sequels, a lot of yeah. I guess Aquaman's. I, I really he's an Aquaman, so what am I saying? A good agent, but you know the Matrix and then Candyman. I'm like I, I I just want this guy to have his like to be in a I don't know, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just uh, he, he has the talent. I, I just think he just needs like the perfect role yeah. to star and not a superhero movie. I'm talking you know something something like uh, his training day. I, you know, I think speaking um, of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of people thought Candyman would be that, but uh, I think, yeah, it just, you know, I mean, looking at the box office, 77 million is, is, is good coin for like yeah. a horror movie, especially like a, a one that is very much on its face. Like the marketing of the film pretty much said, this is a movie with a message. And I think, I don't know whether pe- how people can approach films like that. But, you know, it, there's a film with interesting ideas that just thought that the ideas were, were clunky and, and kind of like the, the um, how they were implemented in, in the film. And, I did, it's such, it's such a, a tricky kind of tightrope to, to walk oh, yeah. to get stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I think of the guy in the wall a lot, mm. where you know he's innocent and this he's murdered and it's, it's this like really like dramatic and sad thing, but he's also hiding in the wall, popping out like with his hook hand trying to give kids candy. I'm like, yeah, that's not how you do it. That's yeah. you know like that's going to scare kids. Like you know, don't hide in walls and and you know less kids will run away scared. It's just. It's like the it's it's an idea that sounds good in paper, but in execution, it's like, well, well, yeah, that's that's not that's not a good way to hide, you know. No. <laughs> You're not going to survive, man. Not in that atmosphere. Well, it's been a very interesting 2021, that's for sure. I mean, I mean, I'm looking forward just looking at the the list of films 2022 that are coming out. The Black Phone, essentially, really there, and the Evil Dead, you know, sequel, Scream. What they're going to do with that? You know, having you know, going back into that franchise, going to be interesting. And 2021, I think, has been. You know, it's it's been a very it's what I loved about 2021 in regards to horror. It's been a broad uh, choice of movies, and I think the the quality of work out there has been really strong. Um, not everything has been a hit. You know, we talked about that, but you know, I think there's been so many great independent um, films of of good quality yes. filmmaking as well, both international and in local scenes. And I think it's been really good. And you know, it's been a, a pleasure, Lance, to be talking to you about horror movies of 2021. You know, um, I was saying off air before how much of a fan I am of your work and the stuff you and I have very similar tastes. And it's so good to talk to you about you know horror movies and hopefully. You know, we could talk again in the future about films and, um, you know, I can't wait to see what you do. Can you let the people know where they can find your stuff? Yeah, of course, my friend. Um, uh, JoeBlow.com. Um, we do a lot of stuff on Air on the Head. Uh, Joe Blow Horror Originals on uh, YouTube. We run that site. So I, I do the Black Sheep. Um, I do a lot of editing on that as well. Uh, it focuses just more in like the 80s and 90s, you know, and which is usually the eras that I found myself more connected to. And it seems like you do, too. Mm. Um off air, you mentioned your love for Warlock too, and I love Julian Sands with all my life, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, but I appreciate it, man. This is always fun. I I just like kind of sitting around, you know, uh, BSing about movies, man. It's uh, it brings me joy. Absolutely, and Lance Vilcek, I thank you so very much for your time today, and for everyone out there listening. Uh, we're going to have more podcasts in the year for wrap up twenty twenty one. Thank you for listening, Lance. Take care, man. Hi, right, my friend. I appreciate your time. Okay.